Excellent stuff. Well, thank you for coming out, everybody. It's, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm, um, I'm really enjoying the Bible school uh, sessions. I know I've not done a session yet, and it's easy to say that because I'm doing tonight. I'm not saying it because of that, but I really thoroughly have enjoyed uh, the sessions that we've had so far. Tony's, um, Tony's first couple of sessions kicking us off with the subject of prayer, I just thought were excellent, uh, very well attended as well. And then last week we had a, a, a real treat with with Phil being here, didn't we? But you know what? I just think it's a, you know, in an atmosphere like this, in an atmosphere of friendship and and family, uh, to come and you know quite informally sit there with your you know your coffee and even your cake tonight. My word, who brought the cake? That was the mother, wasn't it? My word. Well done, well done. So it's nice, isn't it, just to be able to to come together, but you know informally be here, um, but just to get around God's word for an hour, isn't it? You know, it's a, it's a, it's an hour and a half of your of your week that is uh, that is very, very, very well spent, and um, you know I, I, these these sessions are certainly benefiting me, and I uh, I hope and pray that they are you as well. So um, as I said last week, we did we had the privilege of, of Phil Pye being with us um, for uh, for a session, and he's uh, he's going to come back in in 2020 as well. I'm going to organise a time for him to come back and do a session or or, or two at the Bible School again. And he gave us, uh, you know, uh, he walked us through an overview, if you like, of um, the Ephesians 4, 11 ministry gifts. Now, granted, he, I th- he did a great job, as Phil always does. He's a, he's a wonderful Bible teacher. That skill has been owned over, uh, has been honed rather, over many, many years in ministry. Um, but admittedly, he had a bit of a tall task on his hands, didn't he, covering the subject. And I gave him about an hour and a half to do as thorough an overview as he could when... Quite frankly, that kind of subject, I think you'd be cutting it fine even if you had about 10 hours worth of, uh, of material to, uh, to try and cover the subject thoroughly. So he did, he did a great job and we, we honoured him last week for that and um, you know, we honour him again, don't we? But uh, one of the things that Phil expressed last week, uh, which really sets up the topic for tonight, um, I'm glad that he, he, he mentioned this, was that um, each one, this, he actually said these words, he said each one of the five ministry gifts in fact, let's stop there. Let's go over them. Let's test you. It is Bible school after all, isn't it? What are the five ministry gifts then? Go on, I'll start you off. Prophet. Pastor. Well done. We've covered all five. You're a bright bunch, aren't you? You're a bright bunch. So, yeah, and what Phil said was that each one of the five ministry gifts must always be expressed in a spirit of servanthood. Um... What does that mean? What does that mean? It's a, it's, a, it's a really important thing. It means that the ministry gifts as given to the church by Christ are not for the purpose of, uh, if you want to see it this way, of, of lofty leadership. They're not for lofty, uh, lofty leadership. You know, it's like these guys are up here, everybody else is, you know, is, is kind of down there. They are, in fact, gifts that are at their best when they are outworked through an attitude of servanthood. Let me say that to you again. All of those gifts, and, and this doesn't just go for the ministry gifts, because there is a distinction. I'm sure you're starting to, to, to understand this. There is a distinction between the ministry gifts and many of the other lists of gifts that are spoken about in the Bible and in the New Testament in particular. Um, but all of the gifts, whether you are, uh, you know, whether you're like, I don't know, Kerry Degg, for instance, who's just a fabulous musician, uh, can do all kinds of things musically, or whether you're a, a tech wizard and you're fantastic on media, or whether you are, or whether you do have a, a really great gift for communication and you're an able teacher. Whatever your gift is, it must always be expressed through an attitude 
of servanthood. They are at their best when they're outworked through an attitude of servanthood. The ministry gifts are there. I know I'm recapping a little bit, but I always like to, to do that when we, when we move on from last week's session, when we move on to, uh, to, to cover another topic, just to kind of uh, refresh our memories. But the ministry gifts are there for, for this express reason, to release, to impact, and to equip the church, as in me and you, to do the works of service which Christ has called them to do. That's what Ephesians 4 says. They are um, they're there, if you like, to serve the church so that the church can, guess what? Serve. They're there to serve the church so that the church can serve. See, I know the perception um, has been, and Phil, Phil alluded to this uh, last time, that the perception has been in churches, I've certainly had experience of this, that, you know, that the ministry gifts are there so that, you know, the pastor or the leader or the person who, who possesses that gift can do your faith for you. And that's contrary to what the Bible says, isn't it? It's not what Ephesians 4 is getting at. What, what it actually says is that, that these, things, these gifts are there to equip the church so that you can indeed do your faith for yourself. How good is that? How good is that? That you don't have to be like a baby reliant on the bottle. You can be mature and you can do your faith for yourself. And so service is, is the thing that is the theme really that is interweaved throughout through all of the gifts. Um, so that's really why I wanted these two these two subjects to run you know, parallel to each other, to run side by side and follow on from one another. The gifts and servanthood, um, they really go hand in hand. You can't separate the two. Um, you know, what I will say is this, that, that, that any kind of giftedness that God has blessed you with, giftedness functioning or operating outside of an attitude of servanthood, neither glorifies God nor achieves anything noteworthy for his mm. kingdom in the, in the end, does it? And equally, on the other side of the coin, though, uh, that's it, come on, come on down the front, don't be scared. <laughs> but equally, on the other side of the coin, isn't it, anyone can serve. You know, anyone can serve, but the truth is, we each have, God in his graciousness to us, has, has given each of us a, um, a unique expression, if you like, a unique expression of giftedness that allows our service to become more um, tailored or specific, if you like. So Tony's been given certain gifts um, to live out the call of God that God has placed upon his life. It is all done, you know, for the building up of the body. And Marina has got certain gifts that God has, has blessed her with. They're not, they're, we don't all have a generic amount of gifts. We don't all possess the same gifts. So, so God gives us specific gifting um, that kind of tailors our calling to become more specific. So if you want to put it in simple terms, each of us have a, you know, the way I put it in my notes is this, each of us have got a sweet spot where both gifting and calling meet, and it makes our service very effective indeed, because you end up discovering that which God put you here for. You end up discovering that which, which God put you here on the planet for, you start serving with, with purpose. But in it all, you must remember, it is the heart attitude of a servant that is the glue that holds it all in place, you know, whenever we stray, and please take note of this, whenever we stray from the understanding that our gifts and talents are to serve the body of Christ, we run the risk of becoming, I'm just going to say it as it is, we run the risk of becoming arrogant, we run the risk of, of serving ego, we, we run the risk of um, becoming prideful, don't we? 
So this evening, guess what? We're going to be looking at the nature of a servant. The nature of a servant. If you've got your Bibles, which would be a good idea, wouldn't it? Seeing as you're at the Bible. <laughs> so if you've got your Bibles, we'll go to Matthew 25 to, uh, sorry, 20, 25 to 28. And I'm just going to have a slurp of tea whilst you go there. <laughs> Matthew 20, 25 to 28. That's kind of the first scripture that we're, we're going to come around. All those that are there say aye. 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 <laughs> Bottom, isn't it? I say it's a dirty word. <laughs> so Jesus said these very, very interesting words. And they really are interesting. He said this, The greatest among you shall be what? Somebody finish it off for me. Servant. The greatest among you shall be your servant. You know, if you haven't grown up around the, the Bible, or if you haven't been a Christian for too long, um, that, that phrase could sound really, really alien to your ears, couldn't it? The greatest among you. Shall, uh, shall be your servant. T through today's ears, that is that really is an alien concept, isn't it? So, I mean, let's just read the full, pass full passage together. I'm reading from the NLT. I'm sorry if you're not, um, but they link up pretty well. But it says, uh, but Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers, that's his disciples, by the way, they called together. Um, you know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader amongst you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, I'm aware that that translation um, says, uh, it says it this way, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be a servant. But before you go thinking, aha, I'm off the hook because I have no interest in being a leader. <laughs> a lot of people, you know, would automatically go there, right, I can switch off now and I can start thinking about what I'm doing tomorrow. Don't switch off, all right? Whether you're called to be a leader or not, because you see, what, it, what he's not talking there about a leader in the sense of the title or the office, okay? You see, the truth is this, whether you're the CEO of a massive organisation or you're simply an older sibling to somebody, or whether you're a, a parent, for instance, or whether you're a volunteer in the church, everyone is leading someone. Is that a fair statement? Everyone is leading someone. Everyone is influencing somebody else. So... You know, we should take this responsibility seriously, shouldn't we? The Bible actually gives the highest accolade, the highest honour to the servant. Like, to admit, that's, wow, that's a wow, isn't it? That is a wow. That is so um, counter-cultural to the way that our, our society functions. But, you know, more than that, it's counter-cultural just to our human nature. It's not just the way our society functions now, but since, you know, since the, the fall of man... The perception has always been that the, 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 the greatest is the one with, you know, with the most wealth and the one with the most power and the one with the most influence. You see, the pattern of our world is this, that the person with the power 
and the prestigiousness is the greatest amongst us. It's, it's the one with the money and the influence and the fame that is top of the ladder, that's top of the tree. Yet the way, God's, uh, yeah, the way of God's kingdom actually flips that thinking completely on its head. It's, it's revolutionary. It's, it's, it's completely countercultural. You know, you ask the same question as what the disciples were doing. What does greatness look like? And Jesus says this. says, look no further than the servant. Look no further than the servant. The greatest among you is the one that isn't looking for greatness, but has the interest of those around them at heart. This is golden stuff, guys. This is golden stuff. The sacrificial nature of a servant exemplifies best what greatness looks like. <coughs> I mean, of course, if you want the greatest ever living example of this, then we look no further than our Lord and Saviour Jesus, don't we? Jesus is the perfect personification of, of greatness. You know, and I'm gonna, I couldn't do a message, I couldn't do a Bible study on, on servanthood and and greatness without turning to Philippians chapter 2. I mean, all of you know, scripture is, is powerful. But I don't know about you, but there's just certain scriptures that every time I turn to them, they resonate. And they just speak louder and louder and louder every time that I, every time that I, I read them. And Philippians 2 is, is, is just one of those. Yeah. You know, these words are, this really is a, a remarkable bit of scripture. Let's, let's read it together. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read through it from Philippians uh, 2 chapter, uh, verse 1 rather. It says, Therefore... If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, gosh, this is a challenge for us, isn't it? In humility, value others, above yourselves not looking to your own interests but each of you to the interests of the others so Paul's kind of like setting this up he's kind of introducing this and then he's going to hit you with the greatest example of all he's going to, he's going to turn our attention to Jesus verse 5 it says in your relationships with one another how many of you have got relationships with one another if you've got breath in your lungs and you're not living in some kind of tribe or you know on a desert island like Tom Hanks in that film then you've got relationships with other people, so you need to pay attention to this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Verse 7, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, which is the worst death of them all. Yeah. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. You see the pattern here. Greatest among you shall be his servant. God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Come on, like, I feel like we need to just start breaking out and start clapping. What a, what a passage of scripture. I could read that all day, every day. It's remarkable, isn't it? You know, if we want to do a Bible study, let's just do a year on Philippians 2. You know, there's enough for us to pull out of there to just keep us going forever, isn't there? But this passage from Philippians really is the blueprint of what, 
what greatness looks like. So before I go on, because I want to I want to take like the second half of, of tonight um, to I guess really bring out some characteristics of the servant heart. To, to just explain some characteristics of what servant nature looks like. But before we do that, because it's Bible study, and in true fashion, we're going to be interactive, and you're going to contribute to that. All right? So I'm going to slurp some more tea, and whilst I'm doing that, you can get into groups. Um, I mean, if you're already in pairs, I don't know if you four at the front want to come together and have a discussion. Julia, mum down the back, come on. Come on down. Come and dig up this So... Um, but now, thank you for that. Thanks for that, that contribution. That's uh, that's really excellent. I, I really did like that availability, availability. Yes. But all of those, all of those things, I'm sure, um, fit into um, these next few points that I want to share. So I, I really have just come up with a, uh, a few points around the servant heart that I, that I wanted to bring out. The first one is this. If you're making notes, you know, please write this down. Um, first thing is this: servanthood. Is not a step on the ladder to promotion. It is the highest calling. Servanthood is not a step on the ladder to promotion. It is the highest calling. Uh, you know, I'll be a little bit vulnerable with you now. I, I always like to uh, try and be, uh, you know, a little bit vulnerable when I'm when I'm when I'm speaking and come from my own experience. But I'll be honest, you know, as a when I became a Christian, well, not when I became a Christian, because I've been a Christian just from being a little boy, but I would say really when I, you know, when I encountered God and I really started to discover the, the call of God on my life in my late teens, I really treated um, servanthood with, with a bit of contempt, I would say. You know, looking back now, I treated servanthood with a, a bit of contempt. I used to have this perception that, you know, you serve to get noticed. You know, it's the... It, it's the right thing to do, you know. If you if you if, if you realise that you know the call of God is on your life and you're you're, you're seeking to, to be all that God can be, you know you use servanthood as a as a as a means to an end, shall we say, a means to reaching the goal, a means to reaching something a bit more important. And it's like I say, it's been my experience that servanthood often gets treated with a bit of contempt. What I mean is that this. Um, this, there's this perception, as I've, as I've just said, that servanthood can be uh, can be treated as a means to an end. That once you've served your time, you'll eventually get the promotion, and then you move on to bigger and better things. And you can leave this, uh, you know, the mentality and the attitude of the, the poor little servant behind. Um, servanthood can get treated as a way of of getting recognition, and therefore, in time, you know, it's uh, it gets treated like the vehicle that will that will take you on from you know, the menial works onto the bigger and more important and the better stuff. Is this, is this speaking to anybody? Mm -hmm. Let me just say, that is not the picture of servanthood that Jesus painted for us, is it? Now come back with me again to that incredible passage in, in Philippians 2. Look closely at what it says. It says, have the same mindset as Christ, who being in very nature God. He's already got the top seat. <laughs> He's already got the top seat. He's already there. He did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. So, you know, it answers the question for us loud and clear, doesn't it? What is greatness? Well, greatness is to imitate Christ. Greatness is, is, uh, um, is to imitate Christ. And Christ took on the nature of a servant. Let me put it a slightly different way this time. 
Servanthood is not a step on the ladder to promotion. Servanthood is the promotion. Let me say that again. Servanthood is the promotion. There is no greater title that God can bestow upon you than servant. He declares it in his word. We've already read it, haven't we? He says it loud and clear. So who is a Christian in this place tonight? All of us, aren't we? We're all Christians in this place. So excellent news for you. You've all been promoted. Turn to the person next to you. Give them a pat on the back and say, congratulations on your promotion. <laughs> now been promoted to the position of servant. Yeah? The highest position you will ever, you will ever go to. Brilliant, isn't it? You know, Joseph, as in Joseph in, in Genesis. Joseph is one of the biblical ca characters that you could argue, um, you could argue the standpoint um, around of, you know, promotion from servant to something more important. Because that's the way it looks on the surface, doesn't it? That he went from being um, sold into slavery um, by his, uh, uh, you know, being betrayed by his brothers uh, and being sold into slavery and ended up serving in Potiphar's house, didn't he, for years. Absolutely years. He was, in, he was in prison for years and then he ends up serving in Potiphar's house for years. And he served so faithfully and so loyally and humbly that, you know, God brought about uh, and he, he coordinated the events in his life that would eventually see him become the second in command of all Egypt. So, I mean, it's a remarkable story, isn't it? A really, really remarkable story. So on the surface, well, there's no two ways about it. He got promoted, didn't he? He got promotion. But the thing is, Joseph kept the heart of a servant in all that he went on to do. He was still a servant. He was promoted to servant. And this is really important. The life uh, of, of Joseph shows us something incredibly important. That the method of your service may change. right? The method of your service may change. But the heart of service never does. The method of service changes but the heart of service never does. Many of you in here are no longer probably doing the same things and serving in the same way as what you did when you probably first became Christians because, as I said at the beginning, God, uh, on, as you go on in your journey with him, you discover more and more your gifts and your talents and he, and he, and he hones that so that you have the uniqueness of that and so that you function in, in the uniqueness of that. But the heart of service never changes. The method does, but the heart never does. You remember um, in Genesis how it records uh, how uh, through God's help he anticipated that severe famine would come and, and, and hit the land, didn't he? Mm -hmm. You know, God spoke to him and says there's going to be years of, uh, of famine. It's going to be it's going to be awful. I mean, just uh, sometimes we read through these passages, don't we, a little bit willy-nilly, and we don't give them the, the, the credit for the magnitude. That, can you imagine if that happened now? Imagine if all of a sudden, you know, we knew that there was going to be a few years where we're not going to be able to get hold of anything. Aldi's shelves are going to be empty. What on earth would we do? And you are responsible uh, as the, you know, the equivalent of the Prime Minister of the country for coming up with some kind of master plan. How are we going to navigate this? Um, and so, you know, God spoke to him and he said that severe famine would hit the land. And so he went on to work out and devise a, a great plan. Joseph is, you know, he's the original strategist, isn't he? You know, he, he, a fantastic strategist. Um, and he began to store up grain so that when all the new growth had, had completely dried up and there was no new growth, there would be enough to provide for, for the people. It's a remarkable story. If that's not the heart of a servant, I don't know what is. That is service, isn't it? 
Joseph was in a position of high influence. His responsibility was only surpassed by that of the king, yet his motivation was service. You know, you, you, you probably, like me, have probably heard Joseph described as a type of Christ, as in, you know, a reflection of Christ. And I believe that this is one area of his life where, you know, that is indeed true of him. You see, Jesus, just as, as Jesus Christ came to serve and not be served, even though he was in the highest position, Jesus, uh, Joseph replicated that. He was, he was the equivalent, as I, as I said, of the prime minister of Egypt, and he came to serve. In his promotion, he didn't lord it over people. He actually devised plans on how they could navigate through what would probably be one of the, most, the biggest crises in, in, in Egypt's history. His heart was service. The next thing is this. You can write this down again in, in, in your notes. This, all of this is being recorded, by the way, just as, as Phil's session was last week. You can go back over and, um, and read the podcasts. I'm aware not everybody is a great learner and <clears throat> taking notes down. Sometimes you're more of a, uh, a hearing person, so that's fine. But take note of this, is what I'm saying. The servant heart isn't offended when their contribution is overlooked. How about that one? Servant and Matthew 6, um, 1 to 4. Let's come to another scripture. I'm going to read from the message version because this is just marvellous. Um, it says this, Be especially careful when you are trying to be good. Or, you know, you could say there, when you are doing your works of service. Yeah? It says, so that you do not make a performance out of it. It might be good theatre, but the God who made you won't be applauded. When you do something for someone else, don't call attention to yourself. You've seen them in action, I'm sure, play actors, I call them, treating prayer meeting and street corner alike as a stage, acting compassionate as long as someone is watching, playing to the crowds. They get applause, true, but that's all they get, as in that is the reward. The reward for them is the applause that they get. There's not going to be any extra reward after it. When you help someone out, don't think about how it looks. Just do it quietly and unobtrusively. I really love that, that version. Really marvellous. Guys, Jesus is our, our model for service, isn't he? You know, let me ask you this. Uh, at any points when you read the Gospels uh, about Jesus performing miracles, when he healed people, for instance, were there any points in those Gospels recorded where... You see Jesus turn around to the crowd that are gathered and said, did you see that? <laughs> Come on, did you see it? You know, I'm pretty good, aren't I? There are not. You won't see it anywhere in the gospel, will you? You won't see that. Whereas if, if you take, you know, an example that's a little bit closer to home, something that we can relate to, uh, that's a lot easier for us to relate to, James and John, the brothers, you know, the knuckleheads, they came to Jesus and asked this, in all of their naivety, Teacher, we have something that you want uh, that we want you to do for us. This is brilliant. It's comedy gold, isn't it? <laughs> there was something that we want you to do for us. And, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, of course. What is it, lads? Come on, tell me what it is. I'll see what I can do. And they said, arrange it, you know, they say, so that we can be awarded the highest places of honour in your glory. You know, in glory, let us have the, have the highest places of honour. One of us at your right and the other one at your left. And what was Jesus' response? You probably know it already, don't you? You have no idea what you were asking. You haven't got a clue what you're asking for. Are you capable of drinking the cup 
that I'm going to drink, of being baptised in the baptism that I'm about to be plunged into, talking of his death, of course. You got the guts to do that, guys. And being the naive pair that they were, obviously they said, yeah, sure, you know, we can do that. And we, we'd have probably said the same, let's be honest, we're giving them a hard time, aren't we, James and John? But they, anyway. And Jesus says, you know, come to think of it, you will drink the cup that I drink and be baptised in my baptism. But as to awarding the places of honour, that's not my business. He actually said, that's not my business. There are other arrangements for that. Oh, that's that's for, for God the Father to decide, isn't it? But I, I love James and John, though. They, they remind me of me. <laughs> I'm sure they probably remind you of yourself. You know, Jesus concludes this discussion by, by responding with what we've already spoken about. You know, Mark, this is the version from Mark, Mark 10, 43 to 45. He says, whoever wants to be a leader amongst you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came to... Uh, came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Having the heart of a servant, a great servant heart is one who serves without expecting recognition or doing it to be recognised. Because the truth is this, there is one that recognises it all. And this is really what he's getting at there when Jesus is teaching that, uh, where, where he's teaching that, where he says, um, you know, the people who, you know, do it for, for the show. You know, we've all been with them in prayer meetings, haven't we? When they burst into a big sporadic prayer and they've got, you know, they, they may as well be an orator in Parliament or something like that. I was thinking, for goodness sake. This is their, you know, they've received their reward in full. They get people's recognition. But there is a recognition that goes far deeper and far beyond that, that awaits the person who, who loves Jesus, who's looking for his honour and looking for his approval more than anybody else's. I'm going to move on. The next point is this. The servant heart is committed to the interests of the community rather than individual gain. Selflessness, essentially. But I'm just going to try and unpack you know, that a little bit more and interpret that through the eyes of you know, church, New Testament thinking. I don't know if you're aware of it, but we're part of a community. It's a community of faith of the church. The servant heart is committed to the interests of the community more than individual gain. You see, a servant uses their gifts to benefit the whole. You know, so in the context of church, a servant uses their gifts and talents to help and benefit the community of faith that they are committed to. You and I are called to use our gifts and talents to benefit <coughs> this community of faith. I'm called to use my gifts and talents to benefit you. And guess what? You're called to use your gifts and talents to benefit me, the person on your right, the person on your left. See, everything in, in, and this is where, I'm not going to get on some kind of soapbox here, but I, I do think there is a danger today where we're moving away from that, this whole concept of somebody, we were talking about it the other day, me and somebody else, uh, you know, this, this concept of being individual and, you know, just being yourself and everything. It's a far cry, really, from what the Bible is talking about. <coughs> it's a far cry from what the Bible is talking about. Uh, everything, New Testament thinking is everything is interpreted through the lens of community. What is best for the person next to you? Like me, you've probably heard over the years in church, you know, uh, I just feel God is calling me to do something for me. Have you ever heard that? Or something along those lines? I feel like God's just calling me to do something for me. I'm being a bit dramatic, aren't I? But, you know, I'm always giving out and, you know, I, I just need some me time. Me time. You know, we give me time a lot of credit, don't we, these days? 
Um, now please hear me correctly on this. I don't want you thinking I'm some kind of like slave driver or something like that. Uh, I actually do get the sentiment of this. You know, we shouldn't ever be so demanded upon by the body of believers that we end up burnt out and exhausted and damaged spiritually. That's, that's not God's intention at all. <clears throat> do we all need downtime? Yes. Of course we do. Loud and clear, we all need that. Otherwise you just become some grizzly grumpy ogre, don't you? That's not going to benefit anybody. No one wants to be married for one of them, eh? Looking at you, Kay. No, <laughs> Kay's eyebrows like raised up now. Like, it's good to poke a bit of fun at each other from time to time. Isn't it? All in the spirit of honour, of course. But, you know, so, so do we need downtime? Yes. It's a big resounding yes. But I would suggest to you that even in that, um, that time of essential rest, that time of essential rest. Biblical thinking is that the, re the very reason for you having some me time, if you want to coin that phrase, is so that you can be the best version of you possible so that you can benefit the body of Christ. You see, even your downtime, even your relaxation, even your rest <coughs> period isn't about you. I'm sorry if it's bursting anybody's bubble or anything, but you know, God has, has done some work in me. Let me tell you, God challenges me on a daily and a weekly basis sometimes to give yourself a kick in the backside, to give your pride a kick in the backside. You know, it, it does. It's good to burst our bubble sometimes and to realise this isn't about me. I'm not as important as I make out. So even your rest, even your, your downtime, is so that you can be the best version of you so that yeah. it benefits the body of Christ. Yeah. It's a different way of thinking about it, isn't it? It's a different way of thinking about it. The point I'm trying to, uh, to drive home is this, that in biblical thinking, everything is interpreted through the lens of community and never the individual. It's true. Never the individual. You know, I have a... I'll be honest with you now. I, I have a, a hard time accepting this notion of, uh, you know, I'm just taking some time off from serving. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm like... You know, a little bit. But I'm just being honest. You know, I. What is that? What is that? I'm taking some time. Where is that in the Bible? Right. Where is that in the Bible? You might. Maybe you say to me. Maybe you say to me, Mary and Martha. What about the example of that? You know, she sat at Jesus's feet. She was having some downtime. She was. She was having some downtime in front of Jesus so that she could get equipped for the works of service that Jesus was going to send her away. Let me tell you. Let me tell you guys that are gathered here tonight loud and clear that sitting at Jesus's feet is always for the express intention that you get that you get built up so that you can give out Amen. it always is Amen. it always is Mary was sitting at Jesus's feet so that she could be equipped for the call and works of service that was coming her way does it mean that there won't be times where you have to cease serving in a certain area I'm, I'm not saying that you know, from varying different scenarios, which may mean that you need to, um, you know, to, to take some time away from maybe a certain area of ministry or something like that. I had somebody come to me just this past week who was just caring for a family member, serving in a, you know, in a certain area of church. And it, it would be right and it would be appropriate that they have, you know, some time to just focus on this family member. But can you see what I'm saying again here? The method of their service has just changed. Yeah. The heart of service hasn't changed. She's still serving. Still serving, still serving the family member. It's the heart of service. It never, it never leaves you, or it shouldn't leave you. 
So, I guess the question is, when does my service end? And I put here in my notes, when you're dead. <laughs> Sorry, that's a bit blunt, but when does my service end? Ends when you're dead. Yeah, exactly, on earth, that's right. It'll be glorious. You know, in, in heaven, you'll you'll never have a day, will you, where you think, oh, my boss, oh. my back's aching from all of this, a lot of labour. It'll just be a joy. But that's what's to come, isn't it? Did you know this? Yeah, you know, I didn't actually know this until you know until I was just studying for this, but did you know that it is said that John Wesley was preaching up until just a few days before he died? I mean, that's incredible, isn't it? That is. Yeah. Up until a few days before he died, it says that you know he got he got his friends around him, you know, a couple of days before he died, and he's just saying, you know, on, you know, onwards and upwards to Jesus. And I just think, you know, what a heart. He died on on Wednesday, the 2nd of March, 1791, in his 88th year. Still preaching a, a few days before he died. Wow, what an example. You know, Paul the Apostle himself gives us one of the best insights into, into this. He wrote so, so poignantly near the, you know, near the end of his life, uh, these words. This is 2 Timothy 4, uh, 5-8. It says, keep your head in all situations. He's writing to, to young Timothy here giving him advice, just pouring out of his experience. Wonderful stuff to read. Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Gosh, you try telling somebody that these days. You're entitled men. Oh, anyway. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Yeah. Um, what a great way to finish my point. Yeah. Marvellous, isn't it? Just yeah. lived a life of, of service. Anyway, let me finish with this point, because I, I don't want to go on too much further than 8 o'clock. Um, the last thing is this, the servant heart desires to serve no matter what the context. Desires to serve no matter what the context. What do I, you know, what, what I mean by this is this, that we have our ministry, you know, in the church, for instance. We, have our, we serve on that team, we serve on the kids team, we serve on the media team, we serve on the welcome team, we serve on the preaching and leading team, we serve on setting the chairs up, we serve on, we serve on this, we serve on that. You know, we serve in this area, we volunteer here and we volunteer there. But why are you like at work? Why are you like at work? You know, do you carry the same heart? What are you like in, you know, in your, your family, for instance? Do you carry that, that same heart and that same attitude for service? Or do you try and get away with the bare minimum? You know, what are you like when you go over to your friend's house for dinner? What do you do when, you know, when, you're, when your neighbour is in need of help? Do you say, carry the same heart to serve? You see, true. I see the true litmus test for um, for my willingness to serve in the, uh, is not in the church, but it's my willingness to serve outside of the church. Yeah. You see, it's so easy to do it in the church, you know, because it comes back to the recognition thing. Yeah? But, you know, it's the right thing to do. It's the Christian thing to do, isn't it? We serve and we work hard, you know, and everybody gets behind it. And look, you do. Everybody is sitting in here. I know the amount of hard work that you put in, and you know, and I applaud you for that. And I, you know, we're 
as a church, as a whole body, you know, we're grateful for one another and for what we do, aren't we? But do you do it outside of the church? That's the true litmus test for me. It's easy to carry the heart of a servant inside the church, not just the heart of a servant, but all of these attributes of Christ. It's easy to carry them in the church, but you take, do you take them into the workplace? Do you take them into the marketplace? Do you take them into, you know, into your Monday mornings? Do I portray that same heart? You see, there's a big difference between the mentality of, let's say, an employee and a servant. There's a big difference in the mentality between an employee and servant. You see, an employee's duty is finish at clocking out time, don't they? The moment that the boss stops paying is the moment that my service ceases. Whereas a servant never clocks out. A servant never clocks out. You know, if I was if I was running a business, I've thought about it this way, if I was running a business and I was looking to employ someone, I would be looking for someone who carries the heart of a servant over someone who carries the heart of an employee any day. Now, I know we are employees, we're in paid work, then you're classed as an employee, but you hear what I'm saying here, I'm talking about a heart attitude rather than, you know, a position. And also, you know, please hear me here, like I say, I'm probably not portraying myself well here, I'm not, I'm not saying about being some kind of slave driver that is tight and, and mean and tries to take advantage of someone's good nature, I'm not saying that. Um, because let's face it, the Bible says, doesn't it, Paul writes again, that a labourer is, is worthy of his wages. You know, in fact, um, you know, without getting to let politicians argue about this, they've got plenty to argue about at the minute, haven't they? But you know, I believe that a company should always try and pay the best that they can they can pay somebody rather than for the least that they possibly can. Now there's a there's a thought, isn't it? Before before you start thinking of some kind of unionist or something like that, I want to move on. Um, the point I'm making is this, J28, servants go above and beyond. Servants go above and beyond, and they, they make by far the greatest employees. They certainly do. Servants are always looking for ways in which they can be of benefit rather than how they can benefit. See what I mean? Servants are always looking for ways in which they can be of benefit rather than how they can benefit. Servants of Christ, you know, if we bring this into our, our context again, into you know, the Christian context, servants of Christ are always looking for opportunities to outwork the love of Christ within them. Like I say, even if a certain position of services has come to an end, you know, I, I have a, you know, I've heard sometimes of, of, of pastors, even that have, have been pastors for, for years, for decades and stuff, who just have a, a really hard time doing anything but pastoring and I think it's not the heart of Christ is it it's not the heart of Christ just let the method of your service change servants of Christ are always looking for opportunities to outwork the love of Christ within them you know whether that is in uh, is serving on a church team or helping your aging family member whether you're you know preaching from a platform or whether you're calling an ambulance in the street for the person who's you know is in who's in dire need a servant's duty uh, never stops. They're always attentive to their master's business. You know, so I'm, I'm going to finish there. I'm going to finish uh, at eight o'clock. But let, let's just before I close, and I'm going to pray for us. Colossians three twenty three. I just think this is a great great verse to, to share and to end with. It says this: Work willingly at whatever you do. This is this is particularly poignant for you if you have a hard time at work. Can I say we've all probably had those those moments. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord, 
rather than for people. Serve God, you know, even the even the hardest of taskmasters can be a joy to serve, you know, if you just picture Jesus. Picture your Lord and, and Saviour and Lord I, I do as I come to a close now, I just I would just want to just enter a moment, Lord, of prayerfulness. Thank you for your for your word. Thank you, Lord, that it's as good as it always has been. There's never a moment, Lord God, when your word hasn't been true. It's true, Lord, you know, whether whether the world would say that it's an ancient book and therefore no longer applicable, Lord, we all know that the Bible is timeless. It's timeless truth, Lord God. And, you know, in this day and age that we live in now, you know, in 2019 and everything that's going on, Lord, Lord, we need, we need your word. We need the truth of your word, Lord, to God, to navigate through the confusion, Lord, and the, and the seeming chaos of what is, you know, happening, Lord God, in, in you know, in, in our nation and across our continent. Lord, we simply make our prayer tonight, Lord, would you give us the heart of a servant? Would you help us to imitate you, as Paul said, to imitate Christ? That's the goal of our faith, Lord, to imitate you, Lord. When we imitate you, Lord, we are, we're doing exactly, Lord, that which is God's plan for us. Lord, for husbands, I pray that husbands, Lord, in this place tonight, would take on the heart of a servant, that they would be Christ-like in their, in their marriages, that after a day's work is finished, Lord, that they go home and start serving. Go home and start serving. It doesn't cease, Lord, when we walk through the door. For, for wives, I pray, Lord God, give them the, the, the heart of a servant, Lord, to serve their, their husbands and their children, Lord. I pray for, for those of us, Lord, in this place that are, uh, that are employees, which is basically all of us. Lord, I pray that you've just given us a new heart for, for, for service to go above and beyond, Lord God, that we could win over favour, Lord God, in our workplaces, that we could glorify you, that you would give us opportunities, Lord, to, uh, to just see your mighty and powerful hand at work, Lord God, in those places. Yeah. Yeah. Lord, we give... You know, we give the political landscape you know, too much credit at the minute, Lord. Mm-hmm. The chaos that ensues, Lord, you are in control, complete. We thank you, Lord, that on a, on a night like this we can, we can do something as simple as coming together for an hour's Bible study. But Lord, you, you equip us, Lord, and you empower us, Lord God, to be your hands and your feet, Lord God, in our world and in our community. For this, Lord, we thank you. Amen. 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 Bless you all. Finished. If you want to, um, I'm aware I've not put any notes together or anything like that. If you did want any notes sent in to you, I will make that available. If, in fact, give Julie your email address as you go out. If you do want some notes sent in, I can send some over to you. Okay? Bless you.